Money FM 89.3, best of weekends. In the studio with me now is Leslie Beckman, who is a regional and global marketing guru, goddess. <laughs> I don't know. I could, I could use so many uh, great adjectives with you, Leslie. Leslie, welcome to the show this morning. Thank you, Glenn, and thanks to your audience, too. I think you're right. I, well, I don't know about goddess and guru, but I, <laughs> I certainly am a self-confessed lifelong marketer. So that means when I'm not at work, I'm still thinking about marketing. Yeah. And whilst I realize that's not the case for everyone, mm. I do think that there's a part of marketing that's important to consider. Mm. You know, whether you're a big company or you're running a small company or simply it's your personal brand and you're out searching for a new job or even looking for a new date. And, and you know, I think I break that down into a couple of key areas. And, and first, I think, is that brand really matters. It's who you are. It's who you stand for. And it's what people can expect. And how do people get to the essence of what their brand should be? I mean, obviously, you know, you can have a consultant come and help you work through that process. But, you know, if they're just sitting around, because we, uh, we have a lot of listeners who, of course, work for MNCs and, and SMEs, but an increasing number of entrepreneurs and startups as well that, uh, that listen to Money FM. And how do they start to get that process going where they can really make a, a clear stand on, on what their brand you is? You know, I think you need to boil it down to just a couple of words. So if you think about the brands that you love or even the personalities that you follow, mm. you know, I guarantee their brand strategy is well thought out, right? And so, But even as the recipient, you could summarize those in a couple of words and something that's memorable, you know, whether it's a company or a personal brand something that's memorable. Does it have to be something as catchy as, you know, just do it or have a Coke and a smile or, you know, these, these types of sort of catchphrases that some of the big brands have used over the decades? You know, I think it's more important, in fact, critical to be authentic, mm. you know, and in fact, in today's word, it, it's simply expected. We can all think of examples where a brand uh, has disappointed us and this is broken down in that trust. Yeah. So I think Whatever you are, it's very important whether you're representing a company or yourself is to be authentic. Mm, mm. And as you look across uh, Singapore, for example, quite a small market in terms of customer base, potential customer base, especially when we compare it to some of our neighboring countries. Does that make it ever more important for companies here to really focus in on a particular part of this market to try to to try to get uh, the market share that they need to to survive in a smaller market? Okay, so we were talking about brand and then you talk about, you know, what your target audience should be. I think just honing in on specifically who that audience is mm. and then considering their perspective and then speaking to them from that perspective, you know, what's important to them. Yeah. You know, the when and the where you're speaking to and is also important. But I think if you continually keep the the audience's needs in mind, um, it allow it helps them engage and empowers them and, you know, subsequently elevates the consideration and, and likability mm. of your brand. You know, we saw this in the, you know, the classic uh, jobs to be done. What's the job mm. to be done for the, the customer, right? You know, most of us don't want a drill. We want a hole in the wall, <laughs> right? We don't want to buy that drill or we don't want to buy paint. We want the wall to be painted, you know, th those sorts of ideas. And for companies to come up with a very clear idea of what it is that their audience, their customer, potential customer clients need is something that it sounds so basic, but I think it can be really hard for companies to to figure out sometimes. Yeah. And from a personal uh, perspective, too, people should be considering that um, 
in their own conversations. I mean, we, we can all think of examples where we've seen it go really, really well and mm. also where people get it really, really wrong and speaking to the audience. And, you know, in a business sense that I'm in a lot of times, that's when I notice people bring out their phones kind of under the table and start playing Candy Crush mm. versus being, you know, really engaged with the speaker. Yeah, yeah. And when you look at, at Asia-Pacific marketing, marketing around this region, uh, ASEAN and, and beyond, are there some particular uh, peculiarities or, or things that maybe people need to consider more closely here than they might in North America, in Europe, in other parts of the world? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I studied and purposely moved to Asia because of the uniqueness of marketing in Asia. Mm. I consider this region to be one of the most poignant examples of culture staying intact. And what I mean by that is it's not necessarily what technology we're deploying or not, but what we truly believe in at the core. Yeah. And this is what I find interesting. You know, I think if you think about my comment of knowing your audience we were just talking about, there's a vast amount of anthropology across uh, the region um, that can be studied to get this right and to get the message right. Um, And it's not even just the differences between whole countries from Singapore to Korea to the differences to India. We know that every single country has so many subcultures that are important Right. And it's the way that people think it's the way then they relate to a brand. And certainly it's important in the way that you. So how do you get a hold of that? We're we're speaking with uh, Leslie Beckman, regional global marketing uh, guru and consultant here on Money FM weekend mornings. Uh, Leslie, how do you get to that that place where you really, as you mentioned, there's so many different cultures, so many different considerations uh, across markets. You pick three or four countries that are basically right next to each other in this part of the world and vastly different needs uh, or minds sets by their people in those countries. How does a brand A tap into all of those without having to remarket, resegment in every place? Yeah, I think it's, I mean, it goes back to listening, listening to your audience being, I, I'm naturally curious. And so for me, it comes really naturally. Mm. Um, and then again, just tailoring it. I mean, it's interesting because um, over the last 15 years, so much of people's lives are becoming online. You know, mm. we've all picked up and there's there's a bit of a homogeneous culture on the World Wide Web, right? We're yeah. all watching the same YouTube videos. Now yeah. we're on to Netflix. Um, so it, it's interesting to me how online we, we have started to become more homogeneous, but mm. our decisions are still at the core of who we are and what we believe in. And again, that's what I love about yeah. Asia. And I've had the opportunity to live around Asia. And, um, you know, I'm always asking questions and getting involved in what's happening locally to understand mm. the different cultures so that, you know, as you are speaking to different people from all kinds of different ways uh, that you can break out demographics that, yeah. um, that again, you're speaking to it, to what's important to them. What do you think, uh, not to put you too much on the spot right now, and, and if you need a minute to think about it, that's fine, but local or regional brands that have done a good job of crossing borders? Oh, that's such a good question. I'm not sure that I... Uh... I would be fully prepared for it. Think about it yeah, as, as let me we're come discussing. Back to it because it's a really, really good question. This has been one of the challenges, I think, uh, across Asia. And of course, we have you know Singapore Airlines mm. has done well, and you know a few a few of the big blue chips. But this has been the challenge across Asia: is how do you build brands that can compete on a global playing field? So maybe Lanning, the Chinese um, mm. uh, sports manufacturer, could be one. I guess you could consider that as well. But th- this has been the challenge for. Asian brands to really build up to a global level of recognition. It's always, it's, I think that's always an interesting challenge. 
because of course there are good, very good brands, you know, there are very, very good brands around, right? Yeah. And, and, and some we've make lost it and some don't. What used to be, um, you used to read in every marketing textbook, all the, you know, it was the, usually the translation issues. That was what they called localizing, right? Right, right? But it doesn't have anything to do with, you know, kind of creating that relationship with the brand, which is really the era that we're in today. Yeah. One of your passions and, and something that you are, are really working hard on and becoming known for is echo marketing. And this is really um, an interesting, I think, niche or, or sub-niche or whatever of marketing in general. Tell us, what does that actually mean? What is echo marketing? Who is using it? Why is it important? Yeah, I'm really excited about this today. And I, you know, I was new. To, I, I happen to be in a very fortunate place. I live in a very inspirational environment. And I've been noodling about how a lifelong marketer can take it forward, mm. you know, and and how to make a world a better place in the area that, that I work. And so I started to look at eco-marketing. And with that, I, you know, I look at it in three areas, meaning marketing of a sustainable product mm-hmm. uh, for a sustainable company, messaging to an eco-conscious customer, and thirdly, uh, marketing in an environmentally kind way. Mm-hmm. And as I was out looking and, and I was curious in this area, I found some great articles online and then I found some university textbooks, but I didn't really find anything in between. So that's when I decided to start the conversation. Yep. And so over the next year, I'll be interviewing and surveying heaps of specialists in this field about all of the outstanding questions. So it's, yeah, it's become my 2020 hobby project, if you will. And it's really my personal new start with the Year of the Rat. Mm. So, um, yeah, and, and anybody can join me on the discussion. There's a website, uh, www.sisloff, S-I-S-L-O-F-F, dash intl sislofinternational.com slash eco dash marketing so i'm inviting people to to bring up the topics and let's just have the conversation yeah when when you think of what are some of the key tenets of eco marketing it might not be readily come to mind when you think of traditional marketing versus versus eco marketing yeah, some of it's actually quite the same, right? It's being authentic in the brand. I think the difference from today versus a couple of years ago is, you know, the product. Like people don't have people don't want to give up anything to to be eco friendly, and they don't have to be. You know, the products and the prices are aligned uh, to the choices that we make. Yeah. Um. You know, the surveys across more people are are eco minded, conscious, and and it's just responsible to be marketing to people again in the way that the the messages that are important to them. Mm. Um, but if you're doing that, you should be environmentally friendly in the way that you do that, not yeah. print stacks of brochures, for instance. Mm. Um, and then lastly, I think it comes down to that that idea of being authentic. That's really something that's important to me and I think important in marketing. And a lot, you know, eco-marketing has even had a, a bad rap in uh, this ugly world of greenwashing that's oh, out there. Right. And that really means like the false claims, you know, when you're making false claims of environmentalism. Right. Right. So I think, you know, no matter what you do. And again, whether it's your personal brand or your company's brand, it's never more important than now to be authentic. People expect it. Yeah. You are in the enviable position of splitting time between (laughs) living in Singapore and living in Bali. Wouldn't we all like to do that? Uh, how does that? How, how have you made that work? What does that? What does that look like on a practical basis? I know your husband is a is an architect uh, doing work uh, out of Bali, and your kids go to the green school, and quite a good life that you've been able to put together. How how, how did you make that happen? Yeah, it is enviable, but I have to say it doesn't come with a lot of hard work, right? Because everybody <laughs> expects that I'm always sitting on the beach. <laughs> I don't really even live near the beach. <laughs> I'm actually close to the beach in this building today. But you know, I think 
it worked out really well for our family. I didn't start it as a sea change. It ended up being that way. We started as a six-month stint, and yeah. it, it all worked out. It came from, you know, working hard, like proving that it could be done, looking yeah. at the limitations of not being face-to-face and overcoming that. I communicate a lot. I'm on video calls a lot. Yeah. And I would imagine you're on a plane every now and then, too, huh? Every now and then. Well, like today, <laughs> right? We're face-to-face, um, and that's still important. It's still yeah. important in this region to yeah. press palms, have a meal together. I don't I don't lose focus of, of that at all. You know, we talk about eco-marketing and being uh, eco-conscious. You know, Bali has had an extreme challenge with bad uh, press around uh, pollution mm. uh, in the water, on land, uh, of course, infrastructure issues, uh, you know, the traffic and all that. When you think about what Bali needs to do mm. to uh, refresh its brand and to, uh, and not just greenwash it, but actually solve some of these problems, mm. what can they do at this point to, to really claw back some of the, the natural beauty that they were once uh, so revered for? Yeah, I think it's still there. And being local, what I can say is there's a lot of grassroots effort happening. And the people that I meet um, that, you know, are there for holiday, um, there's a little bit of a balance. Like you you might see the trash on the beach, but you're equally as likely to seeing groups of people pick up the trash on the beach. In fact, Saturday, next Saturday, the 15th, is one of Bali's largest beach cleanups. Oh. And there's artists there making movements through this. And it's, like I said, it's definitely a problem. But I'll have to say, even as a parent from the green school, I've learned that, you know, what do you need to do to make a solution? Mm. And I see a lot of people, both Balinese as well, as the expats that live there and the tourists that visit there uh, coming together. And it's it's definitely not there, but it's um, yeah. it's a journey and, it, and it's happening, you know, in, despite the challenges that are there and people are coming together as people to make it happen. And I, I find that incredibly inspiring. Yeah, well, that's great. And we can only hope that, uh, that the solutions come come fast and come deep just for the for the sake of everybody such an amazing uh, island and and the cultures there are so amazing and hopefully maybe you'll play some role in the, the eco marketing eco marketing of, uh, of I Bali definitely in the hope to that's my 2020 <laughs> challenge and I invite everybody to be there with me there we go <laughs> we've been uh, talking with Leslie Beckman uh, global marketing guru uh, eco marketing um, uh, expert uh, thanks so much for being with us on money fm this morning thank you to listen to more great interviews download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download the SPH Radio app available on Google Play or the App Store.